I am excited about this series in Jonah. Um, we have just a couple weeks left going through this book of the Bible, but I feel like it's been really powerful. Um, so many different avenues of just seeing God work in this man's life. Today, though, I want to talk about the topic of being wrung out. Because we've seen Jonah go through some um, horrible downs in his life where he was we, we talked about how early in his life, if you don't know, he was used by God as a prophet who prophesied about the expansion of Israel. Good things, great things. It's really wonderful. And then all of a sudden, God says, I want you to go to Nineveh. Jonah decides he doesn't want to go there. And so he heads in the opposite direction and he gets on a ship to see how far away he can get from the presence of God. He doesn't make it very far before God sends a storm. And he is then, uh, by the sailors, they decide what to do. And he says, hey, if you just cast me in the ocean, God will stop this storm. So they throw him in the ocean. The storm stops. And when Jonah thinks he is about to die, he is caught by God. We talked about last week in the belly of a large fish. I know we say Jonah the whale. The Bible doesn't say it's a whale. It just says it's a fish. Whatever it is, it was big. I think also, not only was it big, but you've got to get out of your mind like cartoon uh, versions of this story. So I know there's even debate. Some people will try to argue that it's a legend more than a real story, but I believe God did this. But you've got to get the cartoon world out of your head, you know? So like in cartoons, inside of a whale is like a hollow cave, you know, and they build a house and have a cabin and like, I'm in a whale, I can survive. This, that is not at all what would have been the case for this man, Jonah. It would have been nasty. Just, just horrible, despicable. And that's where his life is at at this point. I remember um, several years ago going with my kids to San Diego, and we went to the, to the pier on one of the beaches there in San Diego, and my kids for some reason said, hey, we really want to go see somebody catch a fish. And I was like, well, that's fine. We can do that. Like, I don't want like a little fish. They're like, I want to see a big fish. I was like, okay, we'll see. I can't guarantee you, but if there's any place we're going to see somebody do that, let's go all the way out to one of those piers that stretches out into the ocean because you can get some bigger fish out there. And so we walked out there and we were going and going and going and we finally get to, this in, to the end there and there's this kind of small crowd of people gathering around this one guy and he was reeling in this like massive like swordfish and my kids are in awe it's like this is amazing you know and he's pulling that fish and finally gets it and they just like dump it there on the dock and we watch them as he starts like gutting it and doing all this stuff and my daughter is scarred for life now for fishing because it was the nastiest thing ever she was like oh this is amazing what in the world you know and like guts are going everywhere. It smelled horrible and it was just, it was just the worst. But that's what fishing is. How many of you guys ever gone fishing and it like takes days to kind of get that, that fish smell off of you? Ugh. Now imagine, imagine what Jonah is going through. He just spent three days and three nights inside of a nasty fish. I don't even like to eat fish very much, just so you guys know. I kind of, okay. But isn't it bad when we, when to describe good tasting fish, you have to say it doesn't taste like fish? That's, that's how bad fish is. We're like, it's not that fishy. It tastes like chicken. <laughs> then why would I want to eat the fish? It's nasty. Sorry. Thank you, guys. I had to vet. I had to just kind of get that out of my system there. But I want you to realize where, again, Jonah is at, spiritually as well as physically. 
Because we're going to read about how God takes him through this journey and he spits him out on dry land. And I think for us, we kind of like, oh, he pops up and everything's great and everything's wonderful. But this is just the beginning of the next phase of his journey. So let me just read to you uh, the next chapter in Jonah. It's only about 10 verses. Um, and I want us to see what happens when Jonah is released from this big fish and how things start to turn around. But again, this is still an uphill battle. So in Jonah, let me actually start at verse 10 of chapter 2. It says, And the Lord spoke to the fish, and it vomited Jonah out upon the dry land. Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it the message that I tell you. So Jonah arose and went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceedingly great city, three days' journey in breadth. Jonah began to go into the city going a day's journey, and he called out, Yet forty days, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. And the people of Nineveh believed God. They called for a fast and put on sackcloth from the greatest of them to the least of them. The word reached the king of Nineveh, and he arose from his throne, removed his robe, covered himself with sackcloth, and sat in ashes. And he issued a proclamation and published and published through Nineveh, by the decree of the king and his nobles, let neither man nor beast, herd nor flock, taste anything I, that I do not feed them or drink water. But let man and beast be covered with sackcloth and let them call out mightily to God. Let everyone turn from his evil way and from the violence that is in his hands. Who knows? God may turn and relent and turn from his fierce anger so that, anger so that we may not perish. And when God saw what they did, how they turned from their evil way, God relented of the disaster that he had said he would do to them, and he did not do it. Jonah, again, is at a place in his life where he is wrung out. He has been in this, this fish, and again, literally, the Bible says it vomits him up on dry land. This is just nasty. So I think he's, I personally think he laid there for a while, <laughs> kind of grateful that he's alive, but also kind of questioning, do I want to still be alive? Because he has been run through the mill. And at this point in his life, he has been in a season of squeezing and being twisted and everything. Like when you're being wrung out, that's the season he's in. Imagine again, being inside that esophagus of that fish and being squeezed and pushed together and, and just, ugh. And maybe you're in a situation spiritually where you're kind of feeling a little bit squeezed, where you're kind of frustrated because you're trying to make things happen and they're not happening the way you want to. And maybe you're tired, maybe you're drained and you're exhausted, and maybe you're even a little frustrated at God. And the harder you try to make things happen, the less they seem to happen. And all you end up is feeling empty and drained, and maybe you feel like Jonah, a little bit wrung out. Don't forget that this fish vomits him up onto dry land, and we don't exactly know where he was at, but a lot of theologians think he probably was spit up back in Joppa, the place where he started. How frustrating is that? I can't even run from God and do it right. And he's back where he started. And again, I know we often think, oh, Nineveh must have been really close to the ocean. It was not. He has a month-long journey to get to Nineveh. And he just survived being in the belly of a fish for three days and three nights. 
Even though he's now at the point of his life where he is finally obeying God, he's finally doing the right thing, it's not like all of a sudden he got up and said, hey, life became easy now. It was still a battle, and it was still a journey, and it was still very hard. And I just want to remind you that there are times where we get caught up in our own pleasure and our own happiness that we miss how God wants to use even the difficult seasons of our life to shape us and mold us. And then when we're always running from that, we miss out on amazing miracles that God wants to do in our lives. I know I've, I've mentioned this so many times, I think because it's just a little pet peeve of mine, is this thing called lawnmower parents. You know what lawnmower parents are? They go and they mow the lawn for their kids and clear the path for them so that they don't have any obstacles or difficulty. If that teacher's in the way, we mow you down. <laughs> if there's an obstacle on their sports team, I will mow it down. If you don't know how to get a job, I'll do it for you. I'll mow all the obstacles down. And we're trying to create, unfortunately, a generation that is unprepared for the challenges of life because they don't know how to handle difficulty or obstacles. And then they start turning to other things, other mechanisms like addiction or, or internalization or blaming others because they don't know how to handle anything that's not right for them. And I get that. I mean, when, when, when my kids were first born... You give them anything just to make them happy, don't you? You know, you want a new toy? You can have a new toy. Just stop crying, please. You don't like the cat? We'll get rid of the cat. I hate the cat. Now we want you to be, you know. Audrey found out, actually, in all reality, um, we took an allergy test on her, and she found out she's slightly, not very much, but slightly allergic to our cat. And she was devastated, thinking we were going to have to get rid of the cat. And I was like, no, it's all right. We're just going to get rid of you. But other than that, <laughs> no, I told her we're not going to get rid of her cat. She's not like that allergic, but she just has to be aware. I do love my cat. I just, I tolerate it somehow. <laughs> I think, <laughs> sorry, there's some cat people in here. I don't mean to offend you. I really apologize. There's so many times where I'm in seasons of squeezing and everything inside of me is just desperately saying, God, just get me out now. Get me out now. And there's times where I've been guilty of creating almost like false idols in my life. Because we convince ourselves, if we are facing these difficulties, then it must not be God's plan and God's will. And we are then becoming our own gods, creating our own idols where as long as I'm happy, as long as everything is good, that must be the plan and the will and the purpose of God. And I'm not saying it's not wonderful to serve God. There are so many blessings. It is so amazing. There is such a joy from following and serving Jesus Christ. That being said, Jesus himself looked at us and said, you know, in this life, you will, you will have tribulations. You will have difficulty. He didn't beat around the bush. He didn't try to like sugarcoat it. He's like, yeah, yeah, guys, at, at times it is hard. At times it will feel like the pressures of life are just squeezing every last ounce that you have out of you. And my guess is there are people this morning that at least in some area of your life, you feel squeezed. 
And you feel maybe even to that point of like, I am just so drained. I don't know if I have anything left. And you're starting to question because you've been praying, God, I need you to get me out of this. I need you to get me out of this. And God maybe, just maybe, is saying, I'm not trying to get you out of the squeezing just yet. Because I want to use it. Because it's once you are squeezed that God can then pour you out. Do you understand this? It's only when you're squeezed that you really find out what's inside of you. And you know what was inside Jonah? It was some junk. It was some rebelliousness. It was some pride. It was some things that God was trying to deal with. And I think there's many of us who have those places in our life where we're trying to just look good on the outside, but inside there's some things that God says, I need to deal with. And I need to bring those to the surface. And unless moments in our life begin to squeeze us and maybe even uh, as uncomfortable as it is at times even twist us, that's when God says, I can find out and deal with what's inside of you. And we are the best at trying to cover it up. Again, I, don't you love social media where we can post about our perfect kids and our perfect holidays and our perfect meals and you all know None of that is real. <laughs> you know that the real pictures are like stuff burning and kids crying. And again, you can have wonderful times, but then we make them all stop. And we can even change the background. We can put filters on because you know what? Like, I don't like your face. So let's give you another face. Oh, this is great. And we pretend like everything is great. But how many of us really on the inside are actually struggling? How many of us on the inside are, are empty and broken and we're just hoping no one finds out and yet God, we continually feel squeezed and it just seems to come out whether you intend to or not again because i'm guessing even in this room or watching online there's someone who maybe even this week cried yourself to sleep this week because you were hurting and broken and no one knows about it or someone who's struggling in their marriage, or there's someone who's battling an addiction to pornography, someone who feels alone and broken, and you're hoping nobody finds out. Just, just keep everything inside so that if life squeezes you, I hope no one sees the mess inside of me. And God is saying, I'm not trying to hide it. I'm trying to expose it so that he can deal with it and even ultimately bring healing. Think about Jonah when he gets out of this fish. He had to stink like crazy. It probably took days or weeks. I don't even know how long to get that smell off of him. It reminded me, I've told the story before, I think, but um, my first car when I was in college was this old um, 93 Ford Explorer. I love this car because it was a junky car. It ran well. But it was an old car that when we bought it, it didn't even run. So I loved, I was so relaxed driving that car. I was like, as long as I don't kill or hurt anybody else, I could wreck this car and I don't care. It cost us hardly anything. In fact, the reason it didn't really cost us anything, not, was, not just because it didn't run well, but we fixed it, it was a small problem. It was also used by this gentleman who raised chickens. And he had, so chicken barns, if you guys have ever been in some, where I grew up, there's like, chicken capital of the world. We have the chicken festival every year. That's what we do. Kentucky has chicken. I'm sorry. That's what we do. So we actually raise a lot of chickens there. And this guy would take this Ford Explorer to drive through the chicken barns and pick up dead chickens and parts and throw it in the back of this car. That's the car. That was my, that was my car. <laughs> it had, when we first got it, a dirty diaper that had been sitting in the back 
for weeks. It was full and it was all there. So I have told many people, I have a very horrible sense of smell. I could smell this car though. <laughs> it was that bad. And we literally tried everything. I, I got the little Christmas tree ornament thing that looks, that smells good or whatever. And I put it in there. It didn't do anything. Um, I had Febreze and every ounce of that. I just like dipped it in Febreze and I tried everything. Did you know I tried charcoal? I heard that works and it's supposed to absorb odors and everything. And again, it took weeks of cleaning. It took weeks of the deodorizer, the little um, Arm & Hammer baking soda. I just kept bunches of those all around the car for several weeks. Eventually, for the most part, I was able to get rid of that smell, but it was something that was deeper inside. I had to, again, it wasn't just simply do something to cover up and mask the smell. I had to get things out of there. I found things under that seat again that I won't mention because it was dirty. <laughs> and I had to clean everything out, pull out seats and just do stuff to get to the junk out. And once I did all that, it was a really nice car. I really enjoyed, trust me, I really enjoyed that car. But how many times do we have stuff so deep, so messy, so nasty inside of our lives that no one gets to it, but yet somehow everyone's wondering, what is that smell? And we're trying to hide it. It's like, but it's so-and-so over there, you know? And God is saying, no, 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 if you will let me, sometimes the squeezing so you can be poured out and find out what's really going on deep down inside of you. Something that just can't be masked, something that can't be just covered up, but something that God has to bring to the surface to deal with. And so even this morning, I believe there's people that need to get honest before God. But you need to lay down some bad habits. You need to get rid of some addictions. You need to be honest and even confess to some sin in your life. And the things that you've been putting in there are just junk that accumulates over time. Again, if you guys have kids, I do love my kids. I'm not trying to complain about kids. But if you have a van as well, isn't it amazing how much accumulates in the back of your like van? Like, there's a whole buffet of Cheerios and cereal and stuff. And I'm just amazed at how much food. Like, I will clean it one week, and then I come back, and I was like, where did where did all this trash come from? And food is like, is it making it into your mouth? Because it's all on the floor. And I can clean it out, but it just collects. And if I don't go back there every once in a while and fold down the seats and see what's underneath there and clean up stuff, again, all of that junk will very quickly begin to accumulate and accumulate, start to smell, start to be nasty. Somebody has to go in and dig down deep to find out what's there and really clean it. Same thing's true in your life. If you don't allow God into the deep parts of your life, I promise you junk and mess and nastiness will easily begin to accumulate in your life. And God says, I need to get down into the deep parts of you. Again, not because he wants to be condemning of you or beat you down, but he wants to bring healing to those places of your life that no one else sees, that no one else knows, but it's still there. God wants to squeeze you ultimately because he wants to pour you out and he wants to pour you out because ultimately he wants to bring refreshing into your life. It's just like an amazing orange. You have to squeeze it so it can be poured out so that it can be enjoyed and refresh somebody. And Jesus, I believe even wants to refresh you. 
So notice what happens when Jonah gets back on dry land. The Bible says that God speaks to him a second time and gives him a word. God tells Jonah, arise and go to Nineveh and call out against it the message that I tell you. So thankfully, unlike the first time, this time Jonah actually listens to God and he goes to Nineveh and he goes throughout the city full of wicked people, full of evil. This is what this city is known for. And he preaches a message from God. Now, the Bible talks about it being a great city and scholars kind of try and debate how big Nineveh actually was. What I found when I was studying this up is that a lot of them actually believed that Jonah was not just sent to Nineveh, but the surrounding areas as well. So it's, to me, I think of like the greater Phoenix area. You can live in Mesa and somebody still says, yeah, they live in Phoenix. But really, it's all those other cities that are kind of close by. And so why did it take three days to travel around this great city? Not just because Nineveh itself was that big, but the surrounding areas that kind of depended on this city were also included in this message from God. So who knows how many people responded to his message. And I'm so amazed because I try to work really hard on getting a good sermon. And you're like, I got to have a certain story. Got to have so many points. Got to have a way to relate it to people. And do you know the message that God tells Jonah? Go tell them, yeah, 40 days and God's going to destroy you all. See you later. You know, the, in Hebrew, it was like five words, five word sermon. It's like today saying, turn to burn. And then he walks away. And what's even more amazing is that everyone responded. The whole city calls out and repents and says, there's something to this guy's message. We need to do something about it. So I have to ask myself, what on earth happened? Why did everybody listen to him? And there's lots of possibilities. Some scholars think maybe even God went before him, prepared some things. Um, maybe there was an earthquake beforehand or other things that kind of got their attention. Uh, other scholars said, you know, at this time, Nineveh was known to be at war with some of the other tribes that weren't too far away from them. So maybe even at this point, they felt a little wrung out and tired and needed help and hope. And this man shows up at just the right time. But there's another possibility that I think very well could have happened as well. So I read an article as I was preparing for this message about a gentleman in the 1920s who was also claimed to have been swallowed by a large fish. I think his was actually a whale and somehow survived for, I think like two days. And they found him like they were fishing or somehow caught this fish and he was inside of it and unconscious, but still alive. And they said his body was just a mess. So again, he was devoid of almost all of his hair. It had been eaten away by the digestive juices of this fish. His skin was like a patchy yellow and brown color, and he smelled horrible, and he was just nasty. Still alive, but nasty. So let's get a good picture for possibly what Jonah looked like. Can you imagine this guy who had been inside a fish for three days, walking into town, like, like half his face kind of sitting there rotting off? He's like, repent, or God will destroy you all. All right, see you later. And everybody's like, there's something to this guy's message. He's really creepy. Maybe if his story is true, maybe there's something to what he's telling us about our story as well. Now, here's the interesting thing I think that's really, really powerful. 
Would Jonah's message have been so well received if Jonah hadn't spent three days inside that fish? I don't know. But maybe, maybe God wanted to redeem that portion of his life that maybe even Jonah himself was a little bit embarrassed of. Maybe he's thinking to himself, man, I hope they don't ask me what's wrong with me. I hope they don't know what happened because I really, I'm really, it's not my proudest moment that I was running from God and somewhere in the midst of that life just happened and it was horrible and I've, I, I'm now am covered in even scars. And sometimes we want to do that. We hope no one sees our scars. We hope no one sees the mistakes, the mess ups, the troubles, the difficulties, the battles that we had go that other people didn't know about. And we're trying to hide it and cover it up with makeup or whatever else we can do just to make sure no one sees that I am messed up and broken in different areas of my life. And God is saying, I wanted to redeem that area of your life. I want to take the brokenness, the hurt, the pain, the mistakes. I want to take the mess and literally turn it into a message. Would he have been heard? Would he have even have had as much to say if he hadn't experienced the things he'd gone through? Because now it was no longer just the words that Jonah was saying. It was his very life that was speaking a testimony of the, of the love and mercy of God. He could tell them, I know what it's like to be in rebellion and try to run away from God's presence, but there's nowhere you can run from him. He could tell them, I knew what it was like when I felt like everything was lost and I was ready to give up on life itself. And I told these guys, just throw them in the ocean. I think my life is over. I'm nothing. I'm worth nothing. There's no point in going on. And somehow, even in that, God found a way to save me. Now, yeah, I have some scars from that season of life, and it was not easy. It was difficult, but I have a testimony of what God has done in my life, and I want you to know about it as well. This same Jonah, who only a couple chapters earlier received a word from God and said, I don't want any of it. I'm going my way. He finally gets to his point in his life where he's willing to turn back to God and say, God, I need your help. And what does God do? The Bible says God shows up a second time. And I'm so grateful. I serve a God who gives second chances and third and fourth and fifth and I don't know how many chances he gives. Jonah didn't deserve it. That's just the mercy of God. And what's different about Jonah is not just that he covered up his mistakes or no one knows about it. Our reality is not just that he's messed up. The goal is not to say, well, I'm messed up, you're messed up. Let's just all be messed up. The goal is to take that mess and put it in the hands of the master who can do something with it. I, I read another story this week that was talking about this guy in uh, South Carolina, and they did a documentary on him, I think on Amazon Prime. Um, his name is Pearl, uh, I can't think, Meyerman, I think, Pearl, Pearl Myers, that's his name. Pearl um, is an older African-American gentleman who, through a series of events, decided he was going to start a garden. And he went to the local nursery, and he asked them for some of their leftover trees and plants or whatever, the stuff they threw out because no one else wanted them. 
And he was like, hey, I really want to start a garden. Do you mind if I rummage through your garbage and take all your leftovers, the stuff you don't want anymore that you don't care about? And he took all those pieces, the things that no one else wanted, the mistakes, the mess ups, the leftovers. And he created the most magnificent garden that literally he has these trees that he has shaped and topiaries and all this stuff. And people come to this day from all over the world to see Pearl's garden. He took what others thought was a waste. He took the pieces that others said, this is worthless. No one wants it. It's a mistake. And he says, you know what? I think I can take that and make something out of it. And that's what God wants to do. He wants to take all of the hurt, the pain, the mistakes, the, the brokenness. And he says, if you will put that in my hands, in the hands of the master, I can make something amazingly beautiful. I can make a miracle. I can make a message out of your mess. Because it's not just even exposing the sin. It's not just exposing the hurt. It's not just covering it up. It's about God putting something new inside of you. So what does he do to Jonah? He gives him a new and fresh word. Now again, the word is the same thing as before. He says, go to Nineveh. But notice what he says, go to Nineveh. And once you do, then I'll tell you what you need to tell them. I am placing something inside of you. I have a word for you to give to somebody else. And even when he goes... I believe Jonah was not going on his own power, but he was full of the Holy Spirit when he was going there preaching. What changed Jonah's life was not even just going through that experience with the fish. It's when God put something fresh inside of him. When he put his presence inside of his life, that's what brought healing and change to him. That's what allowed him to be used to bring about one of the greatest revivals in history. Is a man who is broken and simply said, God, if you want to take me and use me, you can. And God said, okay, let me get rid of some of this junk, get some of this stuff out of the way so I can put my spirit there. I can put my word inside of you. I can do a miracle in and through you. But if you don't allow the Holy Spirit to squeeze you, you'll never be poured out. And if you're never poured out, you'll never bring refreshing to anyone else's life. I remember several years ago, um, I was praying through some situations at the church. And it was just some different battles. And for whatever reason... I just felt like we couldn't get through or break through. And I was praying, God, why are we going through this? I just, I'm just so tired of this mess. And I felt like God literally spoke to me in that moment and said, I want you to go through this because I want you to minister to other ministers who are going through the same thing. And I was like, God, couldn't I minister to people who are really struggling with like, too much money and too many wonderful things happen in life. And like, what do I do with all this amazing stuff? I was like, couldn't there be a good way? Is there another way to go about getting to this point? And God said, no, no, no. The only way that you're going to be able to minister to others is if you have gone through this same battle. And I was like, okay, God, if that's what it takes, and if that's what you want to do through me, then help me get through this. And he did. 
And it was an amazing time. And I've been able literally to speak to other people who were going through similar things, other pastors. And I would say, yeah, I've been through that. It was not fun. It was hard. But God spoke to me through that season. And I think he wants to speak to you too. And it gave a whole new sense of purpose and meaning to the battles I was going through. And God says the same to you. Don't waste your mess. Don't waste your battles. Don't wait. Don't waste those seasons where everything inside of you feels like it's being wrung out. Because I promise you, God wants to redeem every single one of those moments and use it to bring about a miracle. Worship team, if I could have your way, make your way back up. And if, if you are getting baptized and you need to change clothes, if not, you're fine. But if you need to get ready, you can go ahead and do that. And here in just a moment, we're going to be celebrating with them. But before we do, I want to give everyone here a chance to respond to the amazing mercy and grace of Jesus Christ. Because I think for most of us, the question is not whether or not there are messy parts of our life. The question is, what are we doing with them? Some of you, that mess is an insecurity. Or it's a weakness in your past, something you feel disqualifies you. Some of you, it's a struggle or a broken place. Some of you, it's sin. But the Bible says we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Everyone has a mess somewhere in their life. But not everyone allows God to redeem it and bring value to it and bring worth. I don't want to over-spiritualize the word redeem, but just think of the basics of what it is. I take a coupon and I redeem it. That means I take something that is a piece of paper that's ultimately kind of worthless and I trade it in for something of value. I have placed value on something that really should have no value. I have redeemed it. And that's what Jesus Christ does for you. He takes the broken places of our life and things that should have no value. And he says, I put value on that. He takes your life and says, I paid the ultimate price for you. And that is what determines your value. The price someone is willing to pay for you. And Jesus Christ gave his life for you. That's how valuable you are to him. So maybe you're here in this place and maybe you're struggling. And I'm not going to drag it out too long, but maybe you just need God to do a miracle inside of you. Maybe you've been trying to hide it, cover it up. I don't know. But I promise you today, God wants to bring healing to even the deepest, darkest places in your life. If you would all over this room for just a moment, would you bow your heads and, and close your eyes with me as, as I want to give God a chance to speak to you this morning? Maybe you would be honest enough to say, look, I have sin in my life and my relationship with God is not what it should be. Either you don't have that relationship or you've allowed sin to separate you from him. God is saying today, you don't have to be on the run. You don't have to be in that, in that dark place anymore. You can let me, even today as you confess, bring it to the surface so that he can then bring healing and value to every area of your life. So if that's you and you just want to be honest enough to say, look, my relationship with God is not where it should be, but today, this day, I want to make things right with Jesus Christ 
Would you just slip up your hand so I can pray for you this morning? I just want to believe God for miracles. Thank you. Anyone else? This is the day God brought you here for a reason because he wants to do a miracle in your life. You don't have to run. You don't have to be ashamed. If anybody knows what it's like to have scars and brokenness, Jesus has scars on his hands and feet too. And he did it for you. And he wants to bring healing. Hallelujah. Thank you so much. And even if you're watching online, we believe God sees you. He knows what you're going through. And as you call out to him, I believe God will do miracles in your life today. I just want to pray for you this morning. And I want to believe God for miracles today. Maybe you didn't even raise your hand this morning. I know God wants to do something deep inside of you. And maybe you felt like giving up, feel like quitting, whatever it is. God is saying, no, I'm in this process. I know you may even feel a little wrung out right now. He is trying to tell you today, I am doing something deep inside of you. If you'll trust me, I'll bring you through and you will see miracles again through all of this. Can you pray with me this morning all over this room? Father God, we thank you for what you have done. Lord, and we want to be honest before you. We don't have it all together. We have areas of hurt. We have areas of brokenness. We have areas in our life that are just absolutely messy, horrible, nasty. But God, amazingly, you are willing to take all of that and exchange it for your goodness and your glory. So Lord, I pray that as people this morning confess their sin, as they open up to you, as they allow themselves, Lord, to be be opened up to the deepest parts of their lives, even if it is a squeezing and a difficult season, God, I pray that you would use it for your glory. That even this day, Lord, I believe you want to do miracles to set people free. I believe you want to bring healing where the enemy has tried to bring hurt and division, where the enemy has tried to tear people down. You want to lift them up today. And Lord, we are praying that there would be new life and freedom that is only found in you. In your name we pray.